Welcome back to the Hockey House, episode 29, presented by Selly Hockey Co. I'm Murph, joined virtually once again by Glick and Fitz. Fitz, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Murph. Like I said earlier, spent all day trying to get the room ready for the pod. Got the jersey hung up now. I'm thinking I'm going to uh, I'm gonna cycle jerseys each episode and get a different one up there, but we'll see. What about you, Glick? How are you doing? Oh, doing pretty good. It's fucking hot though out here. So I really cannot wait for the summer to end the season, the calm, the fall, the crisp, cool fall air. How about you, Murph? How you doing? I'm doing good. I, I'm with you on that. I, I love the fall the most because like, like you said, getting back to school, going to the rink. I like that the best. And then obviously like the summer, I just get like sunburnt all the time. So I went to a water park today with the summer camp, five and six year old kids at a water park. I burned my back. Uh, which, you know, isn't fun. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to fall and, and hockey coming around the corner here. Obviously pretty excited about the episode that we have today. Uh, I'm pumped. You know, it's a guest that, you know, when we started this and I came up with a list of guests who we should interview, this is a guy I had at the top of my list. And fortunately, we got to have him on the pod today. So having Greg Powers on from Arizona State, I think he's a kind of the, the model when, in terms of looking from ACHA and making the transition to NCAA. So I was pumped to have him on. What did you guys think? I thought it was awesome interview. It's cool for teams to see what a, a good coach looks like, honestly, just like a good ACHA coach. I know a lot of, you know, young players get thrown into the situation of where they got to find a coach for, for their ACHA team. And I don't know, maybe listening to uh, this, this episode could help them out a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's just a great story. It's crazy to, you know, just see him climb up the, the college hockey ladder. Yeah, it was, it was definitely really cool. And obviously the the news broke today, Arizona State released their schedule. And one of those teams making the transition from ACHA to NCAA that we talked about with Coach Powers is Lindenwood. And uh, next year, they're going to travel to ASU and, and play a weekend exhibition series similar to what we saw LIU do when they traveled to Liberty for a weekend series. That'll be interesting to see, see how they do. Arizona State is a much better team than LIU. So I think Lindenwood will have their hands full. But that being said, Lindenwood has been kind of revving up for this and, and preparing themselves for this. So their roster includes a lot of guys who have committed to go there to play NCAA hockey. It should be an exciting weekend, and I'm sure we'll we'll hype it up just like we did the last NCAA ACHA showdown. Part two should be just as exciting as part one. And, you know, like I said, it goes perfectly with the interview we have on tap today. And we talk about, you know, what, what it's like playing in Arizona and obviously the hot weather and the warm weather and the hat of the summer is back in stock. You can head over to sellyhockeyco.com to get your hands on the hat that just refuses to stay on the shelf. The teal, black, and white Trinidad and Tobago hats by Selly Hockey are a must-have item. And if Trevor Zegers is wearing them, then why aren't you? Uh, these hats are a hit and they're perfect. Whether you're heading to the rink for some summer hockey or hanging out on the lake, the Trinidad and Tobago hats will make a statement anywhere you go. Make sure to head over to sellyhockeyco.com to get yours today. And be sure to follow them at sellyhockey.co on Instagram for the latest shop updates. And be sure to stay tuned for their end-of-season championship apparel coming out pretty soon. Once the Stanley Cup playoffs wrap up here. So, you know, Sally Hockey Co. has got you covered for all your summer wear. And, you know, if you're heading to the rink in Arizona and flip-flops, they've got you covered. That being said, we'll turn things over and head to our interview with Arizona State head coach, Greg Powers. We're pleased to be joined by former All-American goaltender, ACHA national champion, and current NCAA head coach for Arizona State, Coach Powers. Welcome to the Hockey House podcast. It's great to be on, guys. Thanks for having me on. We're, we're pumped to have you. As, a, as I was telling you, you're a guy we've loved, we've been waiting to have on for a while now. And then obviously it worked out where we got you right at the right time here in, in summer and maybe the off season here. So we're really excited to have you on. Uh, what have you been up to these days? 
I'm actually up in Minnesota as we speak. I just coached my daughter's uh, spring team up here at a tournament that we won, and she's at camp at Shattuck this week. So we're we're at a nice Airbnb on the lake, enjoying the cool weather and water skiing, golfing, and just just having a nice little vacation. So it's good to hook up and talk some hockey. A lot less pressure behind the bench these days <laughs> with her team. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little while, you know, I mean, it's a good team. We just won and we don't big tournaments. So hockey's hockey, man. We played to win and the girls won. So I was I was proud of them. A lot of people know you as the guy behind the bench for Arizona State, but you were a player yourself at ASU. Kind of talk us what led your uh, your hockey career to end up at Arizona State. Yeah, I grew up playing in Indianapolis. I played AAA hockey my whole life. Half my team ended up going to Culver. I just played high school hockey and was able to to get seen by a few schools. And it was either going to play Division Three hockey in, in somewhere like Minnesota or one of the schools up here or go to a big university, get the real college experience that I wanted and play, if not just as good, if not better hockey, then, then you can't division three level. And, and, you know, there was schools back then like Ohio university, it's still really good that I was looking at. And then the coach from ASU called me and I'd never been West of the Mississippi. I went on campus and I said, there's no way in hell I'm not going to this place. I ended up going to ASU and and have never looked back. When you hop on campus and you, you're playing in the ACHA, what was your kind of welcome to the ACHA moment when you realized, hey, this, this isn't quite like NCAA hockey that I had pictured. This might be a little different. I think it was my, my freshman year. We made nationals. It was the first time ASU had ever made nationals. And we got eliminated early. Half the team got left in Ohio and half the team made their flight back from Ohio. So that was that was kind of the ACHA moment early. And, and we knew we had a long way to go from a professionalism and, and growing the program standpoint to make it, you know, what what we turned it into. And it took a long time. Back then, there wasn't a lot of um, political oversight so to speak, in the ACHA that, that that a lot of really good programs have now. I mean, a lot of programs are ran by their schools or they fall under their athletic departments. So the growth of the league has been just a, a really cool thing to see and, and be a part of throughout the years. When you were playing, what did the landscape kind of look like? Did you guys play in a conference? Who were you guys playing out, out there? So we were independent as, as an ACHA program the entire time I played, but we played, we played everybody. I mean, it was the ACHA wasn't nearly the size back then that it is now. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was good. It wasn't, it's, it wasn't quite, it's, it's a little bit watered down now because there's so many teams. There's still some really good teams, but back then it wasn't, it wasn't as big. So, you know, I, I feel like more teams were probably a little bit more competitive. We played Arizona. I mean, we, we would go to Arizona and, and, and still today when our ACHA team plays the U of A, they get great crowds. But to this day, I, I've always said we played everywhere as an NCAA program. The, the games I played in and coached in in Tucson were, were the best environment still to this day. And we've played everywhere. It's a, it's a great rivalry. It's a great building. They get a good fan base down there. And it was a ton of fun. So that, that was, those are the most fun games for me. Coach, you were a starting goaltender then all four years at ASU, right? Yep. I know you just said playing uh, Arizona is probably one of your favorite memories. What would be, you know, like some of your other favorite memories from your playing days? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you know, when I came to ASU, Arizona was such a powerhouse program. They had won 68 games in a row against ASU. We beat them my freshman year, and it was so cold in our rink, the rink that we still play in today. It's a lot nicer now than it was then. It's still not that nice, but it was so cold. The seniors dumped a Gatorade bucket on our coach, and a block of ice came out and hit his head. So that was that was a good memory. 
Yeah, you know, just making the national tournament for the first time and and continuing to see the program progress through our four years. It was awesome. And my time was done. I, I never thought I'd coach. I thought I was going to get out of hockey and just get involved in in real world stuff and corporate America and all that good stuff. And 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 it's crazy that I'm back where I'm at today. So what made you come back to ASU and coach? It all goes back to the U of A, U ASU rivalry. So I had a good run as a player and, and had a lot of success. And the assistant coach at Arizona, a guy by the name of Jeremy Goltz, that coached there when I played at ASU, actually got the head coaching job at ASU. I was completely removed from the program. I would go to games every once in a while and stay in touch with some people that ran it, but but I had nothing to do with it. And so Goltsy reached out, knowing he wanted some ASU blood on his staff, talked me into to being a volunteer assistant, and, and I did it. I didn't know how how you know much I could dip my toes in, but, but once I started, I, I found out how much I missed the game, how much I missed the program, how much I missed being around the kids, how much just I loved the game and I loved coaching. And I did it. It was a volunteer gig while I while I was working my my big boy job and starting a family, and uh, I did that for two years. And then he he ended up leaving, and and I got roped into being the head coach. I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't know if I'd be good at it. And then the long story short is is in five years we won 169-23. We won a national championship. We went to three straight ACHA Final Fours. We beat Penn State's Division One team. All these great things that led to where we're at today. When you guys were in the ACHA, was was there ever, I know you talked about, you know, the competitiveness of the ACHA back in the day, but for how long was the thought of going NCAA in the back of your mind? Was this kind of always a lingering thought? At what point did it start to get real? It, you know, I mean, people always talked about it. We never did. We, we got to a point, I mean, our goal was always just to be the best ACHA program in the country. And we, we became that. I mean, at our peak, we had four teams on campus. You know, we had 180 kids try out my last year as the ACHA coach. And, you know, I think our last year we had seven kids from the USHL on our ACHA team, you know, which is unheard of in that league. So we, we were good. Essentially, I wanted to build it to where if you played us, you lost. Right. And that's where kind of we got it to. But that's what we wanted. We wanted to just have a powerhouse ACHA program. We were happy. I was happy. I never did this for the money. I never did this because I thought I could make a living doing it. I did it because I loved it. And I still do it because I love it. And essentially, we won the national championship in 13-14. And, and then that, that summer, our beat writer for our student report, uh, newspaper got a, an interview with our AD and, and talked about hockey. And our AD, Ray Anderson, said if, if the money presented itself, that he would highly consider and strongly support making hockey an NCAA sport at ASU. A day later, somebody read that article, and they donated $32 million to make us NCAA. And here we are. So it's a crazy progression and it's kind of a lot of luck and a lot of, you know, just honest work that led us to where we are today. And I was lucky too, because there's not a lot of athletic directors that would keep their quote unquote club coaches. Right. So I was very fortunate to get that opportunity and gain his respect to get the opportunity to be our NCAA coach. What did that turnover look like? I know you talked about getting the opportunity to be the head coach, but obviously you're at the reins of an NCAA team. What does the player turnover look like there? What does it look like starting to build a schedule? How much yeah. had to change and how much stayed the same? It was crazy because we we had, we had such a good team and, and a great culture. And that's why we were so successful in the ACHA. And 
So I didn't want to forget our past and, and, and we haven't. And I mean, we, we, I mean, I had a get together about a month ago at my house with our national championship team. I'm still close with all those kids. You know, when my captain that year literally texted me about an hour ago saying he's going to be a, an assistant coach for SMU's ACHA division two team this year. So I talked to all those kids all the time and it's, it's, it was just a crazy progression. I mean, we, we, we jumped into division one hockey in about 90 days, you know, and the season ended and we didn't have much time to plan. I had to hire a staff. We had to put as much of a schedule together for that hybrid year as we could. And I ended up keeping 16 kids off our ACHA team on that first year uh, hybrid team where we played, I think, 23 NCAA games. We played some ACHA schools that year, Liberty, Ohio, a few others, U of A and some NCAA Division three teams. And if I could go back, the biggest mistake I thought I made was not just keeping my entire ACHA team for that year because we had a great culture. The guys were bought in and, and, and people thought I was crazy for keeping 16 of them. But we're here because of those kids. So I thought it was the right thing to do. And, and if I could go back, I would have kept all of them. I really would have. I think that's awesome. I think that's a big, big reason why we started this whole podcast is, you know, get rid of the, the ACHA stigma of, you know, it's just kids who couldn't make it, you know, D3 or D1 NCAA. So they, they go play ACHA and, you know, we're trying to change that and show that there's actually some really good hockey players out there in the ACHA. There's really good players. Some people get it. Some people don't. They think of club hockey, quote unquote, club hockey is, you know, student ran organizations and, and mismatched uniforms and, they don't understand how, how how competitive it is and how deep it is and how many good players go to it. You know, it's like I said, I mean, in my opinion, high level ACHA hockey is way better than going and playing division three, you know, for a kid to get the full college experience at a place like Syracuse, Indiana, Temple, Arizona state division one institutions where you get that life experience that, and, and you get a degree from a place that has a long, huge list of alumni and, and a better job because of where you graduate from, that means something, right? And so the whole experience all in, in my opinion, you know, especially for the the the, you know, the Iowa States and the ASUs and the U of A's and the Illinois and schools like that, it, it just makes so much more sense. And that was how we recruited, you know, like, hey, do you want to go play at, you know, some liberal arts school in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin and play 25 games? Or do you want to come to Arizona State? Right. Like in, and play 40 games and fly places and, and get a degree from a huge, powerful university and have a hell of a lot of fun while you do it. Talking about the ACHA, one of those programs that used to be a big name ACHA team is obviously Penn State. How much did you guys look at, at what Penn State did when you guys were building the NCAA team in Arizona State? We looked at it, you know, and I've become really close with with their coach. He's a great guy, Guy Gadowski. There's two completely separate models. Penn State's model is the ideal model. Like that's that's the perfect model if you're going to take a program division one. They had over a hundred million dollar gift. They had an arena from day one. They had a conference from day one, and, and they hired their their division one staff who was almost there for almost two years before they played. You know, Guy coached Penn State and their last year in the ACHA while he was building the Division One program. So they they did it the ideal way. What I call our model is the realistic model, right? It's not realistic for every institution that wants to go Division One to think they're going to get a hundred million dollars. It's it's not realistic for every institution to do it the perfect way. We did it where we had a third of their their funding with no arena, no conference no planning and we jumped right into it right so we're we're the realistic model if we can do it that way other schools can too so i think we're the we're the model that that should convey to other institutions that you can do this you just got to have the right people in place and a ton of passion about it and, and you can do it 
Now, coach, I, I know you, you believe, you know, fully in your, your team and kept around the 16 ACHA guys when you transitioned to the NCAA level, but did you expect to be able to compete like nationally this quickly? Yeah, we did. You know, I, I mean, it's our plan is going exactly according to plan. We wanted to be the fastest startup to ever make an NCAA tournament. We've done that. We were going to make a second one in our in our year four, and then COVID happened. Obviously, we wanted to, to obviously get a new arena within five years. We're going to do it in year six. There's a $115 million facility being built as we speak. It's it's going to be beautiful. So we've done everything we thought we could do. We've done everything we told recruits we were going to do. We've held up to our end of the bargain in every way. And so none of it surprises me. You know, I mean, we, we believe in our plan. We believe in our kids. We believe in our staff. And and so far, it's gone it's gone great. How excited are you about this new uh, rink that's coming on campus? Are you going to feel a little bit of nostalgia of not being able to play with, at the old rink? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. It's it's going to take us to another level and we need it to sustain, you know, the kind of success we're looking to sustain. We want to be in a frozen four every year. That's that's where we're looking to go and take this thing. We don't want to be, you know, there every five, six, seven years. We want to go every year and we believe we can build a program and we believe we have a team this year that can get there for sure. You know, in, in the new facility, you need it. I mean, when you have kids now, you know, coming in, I mean, we just have an incoming freshman named to the World Junior Camp roster and he has a really good chance to make the world junior team we're going to have seven or eight nhl draft picks on next year's roster it's just the reality is you need those facilities to keep up and get those kids there's a huge piece of me that's going to miss the place that we play it's where we built our program it's really all i know as a coach it is an absolute shithole the place but um it's our shithole right and and we're 24 four and two in our last 30 games there so we're gonna miss it you know and our guys like it it's it's i have our guys read a book every year it's called the obstacle is the way so it teaches you how to turn adversity into advantage you know everybody wanted to create all these obstacles for asu when we went division one they hired your club coach they jumped into it too fast they don't have a league they play in a shithole we let all those obstacles become our pathway to success you know, so when we bring in this big time program, wherever they're from, you think a program like Denver, or BC or BU or Harvard, any of these schools that come play us in Tempe in that crappy little rink, they walk in and like, what is this place? Like, are you kidding me? And, and we're like, this is where we play. This is our home. We practice there every day. We train there every day. Ice is ice, boards are boards, glass is glass, and we're going to play. And you better tighten your bootstraps when you come to this place. So we've used that perceived obstacle as our advantage. So it's going to be new to, to, to not have that kind of boost our psyche when we're going to have the best arena in college hockey. So we'll figure out another way to motivate our guys, but we're excited about it. I think it's really cool. Obviously, you look at the background you've got going on behind you. I think one of the things uh, that you guys have been known for right off the bat is the uniforms, the jerseys, the gloves, the pants, the helmets. How much say do you have in that? Is there any any of your mastermind behind that? Do you like the look? What are your thoughts? I have a lot of say in it. The, the lion's share of the credit goes to our equipment manager. I give him carte blanche really over all of it. And he's actually, he went to Indiana. He played in Indiana. So he's an ACHA guy too. John Loftner is his name. So John's great. And Adidas takes great care of us. We're very, very lucky. They treat us kind of like the organ of college hockey. They refer to us as the 33rd NHL franchise because we have a, a, a big brand and, and a lot of people buy our jerseys and all that stuff. So I think we're going to have four new ones this year. We have over 200 uniform combinations, eight different helmets. That's what we want to be. We don't want to be boring and normal. We want to be outside of the box and progressive and new and 
exciting. And that's not for everybody, you know, and, and that's what we tell kids when we recruit them. This may not be for you. If you want to go to this long line of tradition and, and, and fall in line and be a part of that tradition, that's cool, right? But that's this isn't the place for you. Here, you got to want to be the tradition. You got to want to set the standard. You know, when you look back in your career in 20 years, say, I built that program. That's got to mean something to you, right? So we like to do things unique and, and outside of the box and, and set standards and, and new ways of doing things in college hockey. It's the way we like to do it. You mentioned John, the equipment manager. Um, what you guys did this past year in a year like no other, you want to talk about the road trip that you guys went on? I, I, that I, We talk a lot about, you know, ACHA things, stuff that only happened in the ACHA. I mean, talk about adversity that you guys went through one heck of a trip this winter. Yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, we 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 had a really good team and we felt like we were going to continue to make good good strides with the schedule that we had and we were forced to if we wanted to play, we had to play a full season on the road during a pandemic. So our first trip was 36 days, 12 games, 36 days. What was hard about the season wasn't necessarily just playing on the road in empty arenas because you know, they didn't have fans, right? So it wasn't that difficult from that standpoint. But what was hard was just being away from home, being in a hotel during COVID where you basically couldn't leave your room. You couldn't see each other. We couldn't have team meetings. We couldn't have team meals. Guys couldn't work out. So you could feel them kind of getting weaker as the season went on. So that first 36-day trip, we got through pretty good. And the, the second one was 29 days. And that was when I flew in Bronson. TX actually flew in and met us at South Bend because we were so banged up and we needed we needed a goalie. Our, our starter had mono and another guy was banged up. And so we really had our third stringer left. We actually beat Notre Dame with that kid. And then we went to Minnesota with a couple weeks later with, with 11 able body skaters. And the guys got contact traced, the guys were banged up. It was just a really rigorous year in every way. We got through it. You know, it was, it was not an easy year. We knew it wouldn't be. It wasn't about wins and losses for us. It was about making sure our kids had a chance to play. Play. It's a chapter in our story, right? Is what what I tell everybody, and 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 maybe a, a classic case of taking maybe two steps back to take ten forward. We built a lot of equity with college hockey for doing what we did. Recruiting class is unbelievable this year. I think we built a lot of respect for just how dedicated our university is to our players and and the sport by allowing us to do that, go to those measures to give them a season. So we got through it. We're excited for this season and and thrilled to to have some home games. I think that goes perfectly with ASU's mantra. Like you're saying, you've just you've battled adversity through all these years coming to where you guys are now. So it sounds like you guys are going to be completely fine. Looking at some news with the NHL, we know there there's a team, the Seattle Kraken, a new team entered into the NHL league. The University of Washington is actually going to play uh, out of the Kraken's practice facility. Do you just keep an eye on other Pac-12 hockey programs? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I get that's probably one of the most frequent questions. Now that the arena is done and we're making traction with conference stuff, one of the biggest questions I get nonstop is what other schools are going to go? You know, are there Pac-12 schools that are going to go? And and, and the, the honest to God answer is nobody's close, right? But a, a setup like that for, for Washington, who's who's had a, a very modest ACHA program at best for a long time, right? They're in a fertile recruiting ground. If the right people got control of that program and really wanted to dedicate some serious effort into building it, they could build it quickly. So hopefully that facility will happen and, and it'll help them, you know, build their, their ACHA program and, and give it some muscle and notoriety that, that it's going to need to take that, that final step to NCAA. We'll see what happens. The NHL there in that market's going to help just like it has in our market, just like it is in Vegas. And I think it's helping UNLV grow their program. Those guys are doing a great job. We'll see what happens. But right now, I don't think any Pac-12 schools are, are that close to it. When we get into our building, we're going to be a revenue sport. 
you know, we're going to be one of three real revenue sports on our campus. And I think when, you know, Pac-12 school can look at it and say, hey, you know, they're generating a million and a half, two million revenue a year for their university through hockey, then schools are going to start looking at it. What do you think is the biggest key of taking a successful ACHA program and turning it into a successful NCAA program? It's just not getting too far ahead of yourself. Just focus on what's in front of you. We never tried to become NCAA. It literally happened overnight. There's a lot of things that we got lucky. You have to be dominant at the ACHA if you even want to sniff it. You have to just take care of what's in front of you. If you're doing everything and you're operating in a manner where you're looking 10 steps ahead without focusing on the present, you're never going to get there, right? You're going to you're going to take shortcuts. You can't build sustainability that way. You can't just snap your fingers and be at the top. You got to put on a lot of work. You have to have a process and stick with that process, believe in that process, not stray from it and gradually get there, right? We were doing it without even knowing we were doing it. But we had such a good program in the ACHA that it certainly wasn't turnkey, but it made it easier, right? We had a lot of good players here. We had a good culture. So we were able to do it, you know, somewhat seamlessly where there's programs out there that could go NCAA tomorrow and they're not going to be able to transition from their, their ACHA program because their ACHA program, what, you know what I mean? Like if Temple went tomorrow, it would be drastically different than our build, right? And I don't mean that out of any disrespect. It's just everybody's different, right? And everybody has a different model, but it can be done anywhere. You know, it really can. I truly believe that. You just have to have the right people in place. People always ask what the blueprint was and the blueprint was there wasn't one. It's just focus on what's in front of you, be the very best at your level. And then the rest will take care of itself. Kind of going back to that, do you feel like you weren't necessarily planning to go NCAA, but when your number was called, you guys were ready to go because you guys have been building such a strong culture in Arizona? I mean, we went into it, you know, full force. I mean, our first games were up in Alaska at the Kendall Classic in Anchorage. We went to overtime with Alaska Anchorage in game one, and then we played Alaska Fairbanks the next night and we won. So, I mean, we jumped into it. We won a few games that year. We slept uh, Lake Superior State at Lake Superior State in that hybrid year. And then we, we kind of gradually built from there. And then the next year we won, I think, eight games. And then, you know, the next year we make the NCAA tournament. So we, we had a belief that, that we just had to stick with it, not stray from what the plan was and build a culture above everything else. You had to build that culture up and get the guys, you know, mentally to where we needed them to be successful. You, you talk about a lot of people are always asking you, you know, which school might go. And based on the criteria you've given, I think the first school that comes to mind, maybe for me, is a team like Liberty, who's kind of been dominant in the ACHA for so long. Granted, they haven't been able to lift the Murdoch Cup quite yet, but that's kind of a team with a, with an arena already on campus. And, you know, maybe they are struggling to find if they could be a revenue sport or you know, their location would mean they'd probably have to be an independent for a while. Is, is that a team or maybe an Ohio that you could see has, has what it takes? I, I don't know if Ohio could do it under their current kind of auspices, how they operate. Liberty could do it. Liberty could do it. They, they have the facility. They have the fan base. They're incredibly professional ran program. Kirk does a great job with those guys. They get really good players. It's a, it's a great area. Liberty could do it. They're built to do it. They could do it tomorrow. And I think they could be pretty good right away. You know, schools like that and, and Lindenwood's going to go and they have the facility and the coaching staff to do it and the resources to do it. We were hoping Illinois was going to go. I think that COVID obviously set Illinois back a few years, if ever. Everybody's going to have a different 
different model. There's not just one right or wrong model, you know, and 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 it's all about the right people. If you have the right people, you can do it. LIU skipped the whole ACHA process and just went for it in a pandemic. Exactly. Yep. So there's no right or wrong model, you know, and that's a prime example of it. Wrapping things up here, coach, looking back on all of this, obviously you've spent a long time with Arizona State and looking back on it, what's just been the biggest reward for you seeing this whole process come to fruition, obviously with the rink being built currently? There's a lot of them, right? It's it's still like I got into this because you have to get joy out of seeing the progression of young men turn into men, you know, and, and all the guys that are, that are out in the real world, successful doing whatever it is that they do and, and taking the lessons that they learned in our program and through the daily rigors of being a college athlete and apply them to their lives. Like that's, that's what keeps me going to the rink every day. Clearly, we want to win national championships. We want to be dominant. We want to send guys to the NHL, and we've done that now. All that stuff's icing on the cake, but it's all about the relationships and just genuinely caring about your guys. And in the day that that stops, I'll go do something else. That's what drives us at ASU, and I think that's why the biggest reason why we're successful. You know, we, we looked at your national championship team with the SHJ in 2014 in the interviews with the players, and you can just see they're, they're all bought into the system and they love you. I haven't watched any interviews with your current NCAA squad, but I'm sure they have nothing but good things to say about you. What's the the secret sauce or, um, you know, what's what's the philosophy that you bring to the rink every day that, you know, for any coaches that might be listening out there, or even players, yeah. Um, that gets, gets the, uh, the team to buy in and come together. Like be genuine and be honest, right? Like if you're honest with your players and they know that you respect them and that you're genuine, you can't fool kids. You guys know when somebody's blowing smoke up your ass, right? Like you all know it. You don't want a coach is full of shit and you don't want a coach isn't. And if you're genuine with your players and they know that you're honest and they always know where they stand, then they're going to play hard for you. And if that's not enough, they're not, then they're not in the right place, you know, and I haven't changed. I'm the exact same coach today that I was and I learn and you can evolve and I'm a better coach from what I've gone through and everything I know throughout the process, but how I deal with kids and how I communicate and, and the type of coach that I am hasn't changed. And in the first year, a hybrid year, it was tough because you're a one-man band in the ACHA. I ran the program. I did everything, right? And 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 then overnight, I hire two full-time assistants. I get an operations director. I get an equipment guy, strength coach, a full-time trainer, a grad assistant. So the staff goes from zero to, to nine overnight. So there's a lot of things that, that went on that plays tricks on you. Like, God, oh, do I have to change? Do I got to be different? And it was two kids that played on the ACHA national championship team about halfway through the year. They're like, hey, we need to meet with you. So I went in and met with them and they're like, sat me down and basically they're like, you got to be you. Like, you, like you're you and it works and it, it, you can't change. And that's the biggest thing. It was one of the best lessons that I was taught was from players that, that played with me, played for me in the ACHA. And and it's one of the things that, that I tell everybody is these kids are the exact same. You know, I mean, I have NHL draft picks and kids that are playing. And they're the exact same. They're just like you guys, right? They just might be a little bit better, right? Like they might be a little bit more skilled. They might be a little bit whatever, but they're the same. They all want the same. They just want to win. They want to be a part of something special and they want to be, they want to coach as honest with them, you know? And, and so as a coach, you know, my biggest goal is to make it so every day our guys show up. It's the best part of their day. I don't want guys to come to the rink not knowing what we're doing and not happy to be there. If you're smiling and you're happy, generally you're playing your best hockey. You guys know that as players, right? You're not being overcoached. You're playing free and you're just going. And that's how we play. That's how we operate our program. And that's how we did it before. And that's how we continue to do it. And it's how we'll always do it as long as I'm here. 
We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. You're the first coach we've had on as an official guest and couldn't have asked for a better guy to come on and, and show us what it's like transitioning a, a program from, you know, the ACHA ranks to, to the NCAA. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's cool. You guys all hooked up and you're doing this. I think it's awesome and keep grinding and good luck to all three of you guys. Once again, thank you to Coach Powers for taking the time to meet with us and join us on the Hockey House. It's always great when you get a well-known guy from the ACHA to come on the show and let alone, you know, a coach like Coach Powers to come on our show. So once again, thank you, Greg, for coming on. And like I said, we, we've talked about this a lot, but just a great guy. Honestly, he seems like a player's coach. He understands it. But my favorite part of the interview is he never built Arizona State with the, the dream of going NCAA Division One. He just dreamed from day one of being the best ACHA program in the country. And then that made that transition a lot easier. I think, like Fitz, you hinted in the, in the intro of the show, how much he cares about the program. And when you're looking for coaches to coach at these programs, maybe, you know, commitment goes a lot longer than you know, maybe hockey sense in terms of like guys who want to be there and see the program get better in terms of the hockey side of things and just growing the program to be the best that it can possibly be. I thought he he gave a great perspective on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can see with how his, his players, like they have nothing but good things to say about him. And for an ACHA coach to, you know, achieve that and then move up to the NCAA level, obviously, but at the ACHA level to, to be able to build that team camaraderie and get everyone to buy in, he's something special and he, he's doing something special over there at Arizona State. And he talked about just helping his players, you know, on and off the ice and after they graduate. And I can tell he's definitely the kind of coach that the players will definitely be very grateful that they got a chance to play with him, whether it was with the ACHA or now at the NCAA program. Yeah, like I can't even imagine. Look, imagine getting a phone call halfway through the summer. Like, hey, someone just donated $32 million. We're going NCAA. Like I, that's that's every ACHA team's dream. Just crazy how it was just overnight. They just got $32 million. I wonder who the guy was. Yeah, and, and not even that, but having the confidence in your ACHA guys to be like, yeah, we're going to take 16 ACHA guys and we're going to do this thing. And, and he even, even he said his biggest regret from the whole thing was not taking the whole team because he thought maybe the whole team deserved to be there and have that opportunity. Yeah, that fired me up when you said that. <laughs> the whole reason we started this thing, you know, show the ACHA hockeys, there's good hockey out there. And when I heard that, I was like, this is what we came for. We got his thoughts on it, and it's a question I think we've talked about on this show before, but maybe we have some more followers and more listeners now, and maybe we're the three of us are probably a lot more informed now, but question of the week is who, in your mind, you know, after, you know, we've seen Penn State, we've seen Arizona State, now Lindenwood's making that transition. What's the next ACHA team that should go NCAA? And we talked about it a couple weeks ago with the Sports Illustrated article. And, you know, they kind of had a list of teams and some of them were not very realistic and maybe in terms of the brand that the school had to offer. But I was curious what you guys thought. We'll, we'll go to you, Fitz, first. And what team you would like to see eventually go NCAA? Yeah, right off the bat, University of Illinois was my, my first thought, just being a Chicago guy. I have no idea how close they are or what's going on. I've heard they're going to you know go D1 for three years now, so who knows when it's going to happen. Two teams that come to mind that are more of like a, you know, like nobody would really think of, NC State and then Bama, the Frozen Tide. I think they both have good programs. I know when I played Bama, they play at some like juniors rink or something. So they have like, you know, the facilities to do it. NC State, obviously, Carolina's place. They got the, the arenas to do it. They have the support from the schools, the fans. 
And I know NC State got pissed at me for not picking them for a buy in the first round for the jersey bracket. So I'm picking you now. <laughs> That's a good call too, because I think we talked about like how how cool that place looks to play like in the playoffs. Obviously, the Hurricanes play in the same building that the NC State basketball team plays in, so you, you can only imagine that maybe they'd pack that place for for big time games. And I think the only problem they would probably face is not having you know those rivalries that they they kind of have right now at the club level where they they get to play NC State and those other ACC teams down south. But I think certainly Raleigh, North Carolina, is kind of becoming. A, a hotbed for hockey and, and people want to watch the games there. Like, who did you have in mind? For uh, my pick, I'm going to have to mention this team twice in two podcasts in a row. I'm going to have to go with Navy. I feel like it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, Army has a team. Air Force has a team. Why doesn't Navy have a team? They have an incredible facilities. They're in super nice. I think they can just come in and they'll instantly just have two really good rivalries. And I think they'll be able to succeed. I like that because that's something that I haven't thought about yet. Obviously, they play the Army-Navy game at the link. Like, if they played the Army-Navy game at Wells Fargo for hockey and it was packed with both, like, students from both schools, I think that would be an amazing sight. Yeah, I totally agree. And that would just be, like, another reason why I think they should have a team. Another solid ACHA team that they've had for a while. The team I had in mind was kind of one that I think is hopping on people's radars, obviously with the success of the, the Golden Knights, but I think UNLV will make a great NCAA team someday. I think it gives Arizona State another team out west. I think it starts growing college hockey more to the West Coast. And I think you see the attendance that they get playing at the Golden Knights practice facility, but they pack the place. And I think with them building a new AHL size rink in, in Henderson right outside Las Vegas, I think it'd be a no brainer. I think they could probably make it work. Maybe it's too much hockey for the city of Las Vegas, but uh, I think the skate and rebels would, would look good in playing under the NCAA umbrella. When I saw the question, I, that was the first team that came to mind. And then I saw you already picked them. So I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> That's, that's what happens when when I get to when I pick up the question I can I can answer first but no I, I think it'd be really cool to see college hockey in Vegas I think it'd be an easy draw because it's like to sell the school to you know potential players it's like we're in Las Vegas you know it seems like another Arizona state it's like yeah what what's not to love about this and it, it's like a sneaky one like UNLV has had a team for so long and then obviously the Golden Knights come to town and now you know the Raiders are in town and, and Vegas is a sports city and all it took was the NHL taking a risk and I think you know college hockey could work there too and I think having another uh, NCAA team out on the west coast will save coach powers on some airline tickets for sure he'd probably appreciate that a lot we talked together. I think we all mutually agree that a team that should consider going NCAA soon is, is Liberty. Just the attendance they get, the facilities they have, the players that they recruit, they split with LIU this past year. It just seems like it would be a good fit for them. I think they're another team that maybe doesn't want to make that transition because of the cost of travel. Not many team, not many division one college hockey teams near Lynchburg, Virginia, maybe Alabama Huntsville a couple times a year, but wouldn't be enough. Like I said, they have beyond the facilities that some of the lower tier division one team so it seems like a no-brainer and other news in the hockey world the stanley cup finals are wrapping up my prediction is that by the time that this podcast debuts the nhl season it will be over what do you guys think go bolts baby i'm winning uh like 300 dollars if it once once they win their uh their next game i think you knew montreal was going to win one at home i don't think people thought they'd lose three straight but 
The other interesting thing is like you want to lift the Stanley Cup on home ice. Like that's got to be way better. And they talked about like obviously last year Tampa Bay lifted the cup in the bubble, and then this year in Montreal their families weren't allowed to cross the border. So even if they had the won the cup in Montreal in Game Four in overtime, they wouldn't have been able to celebrate their families. Now they're going back to Tampa Bay. It's gonna be a packed house. I think the Bolts blow them out. So that's why Kucherov hit the post. <laughs> oh yeah, he's so good. He he knew it was gonna hit it the all post and go sense. out. Uh, I was hoping Vegas would w- beat Montreal. That would have been a much more entertaining final. Vegas uh, Lightning. I'm just upset that Price probably isn't going to win a Stanley Cup this year. I think he deserves it more than any other goalie other than, well, it tied with Henrik Lundqvist, but he really deserves it more than any other goalie. I think this might be his Henrik Lundqvist moment. Like when Lundqvist made it to the finals in 2014 and they avoided getting swept, but eventually lost in game five. Which I hope it isn't because I'm like you. I, I think Carey Price does, definitely deserves it. And one player on the Bolts who had a big game in game four, he tied it up late for them, was, was Patrick Maroon. And Pat Maroon has no ties to the ACHA other than he probably looks like he has the diet of maybe some guys in the ACHA. I know a lot of guys in the NHL give Patty Maroon a hard time for his size, but he is uh, collaborating with Vandy, the creator of Freezer Tarps, and uh, they've created Letty Dressing. It's a tea tree oil, peppermint shampoo, conditioner, and pomade, and it's bringing you the silkiest formula for maintaining your top tier salad on and off the ice. Letty Dressing is launching soon, but in the meantime, check them out at www.lettydressing.com. That's Letty as an L-E-T-T-Y dressing.com. You can also find them on Instagram at Letty Dressing. Exciting collaboration coming from Patrick Maroon. Obviously, he's got great flow, so I think he knows what he's talking about if he's launching you know, shampoo, conditioner, and gel. So stay tuned for that. I know Blix got his summer cut. Fitz has got his summer cut. I've got my summer cut. We're all kind of guys who like to grow it out and, and have it ready by time the season starts so maybe we'll have to look into the letty dressing we'll wrap things up here in episode 29 in the books looking forward to episode 30 that's another big milestone for us once again thank you to all the listeners and and you know enjoy the rest of your week yeah, boys.